When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 67 of the DMVR Nuggets' Serbian Corner. My name is Mirosov Cuk and thank God podcasting is something you do sitting down because I just finished playing 5-on-5 basketball 90 minutes ago and my feet, ankles, knees and hips are killing me. Today we're going to talk about the Nuggets' first two preseason games versus the Suns and versus the Bulls, but are also going to look at our crystal balls and strongly overreact to individual games and rotations we have seen in these two preparation and experimentation games. To help me go nuts with all that, I've called some elite guests, as always. First, a guy behind the, behind the camera, working on ones and twos, doing actual work while the stars of the show are having fun and making up words like smuggets and PJ composure, he is an art photographer, a skier, a really good singer, a mustache owner before it was cool. You can find his first Nuggets vlog on the DNVR Sports YouTube channel, and that would be the one you are currently watching. It's Kale Kale Gospodar Vremena Sorbo. What's up, Kale? What up, Miroslav? Good to see you. Yeah, well, Kale, I I wanted to to bring some shine on you because you're a very popular uh, face uh, uh, among the Nuggets fans, but these guys are just not letting you have your uh, fair ten minutes of of uh, fame. So this is why I'm I'm uh, I'm trying to to correct this. Tell me, how did you get into the DNVR at the first place? So I've actually I've been around since we became DNVR. Um, so we were a company called BSN Denver before that. Um, and I was with BSN Denver briefly just for a couple months. Um, that's a really interesting story though. Uh, I was, uh, out of college, just freelancing, um, trying to, uh, just out of college, I graduated and was freelancing, just trying to make money with absolutely any way I could, um, with my camera. So I was taking pic head, I was taking headshots, senior pictures, a bunch of doing some small government work for video type stuff uh, and just like looking for a job and then ended up uh, going to this. I was a diehard listener of the, at the time, what was called the BSN Broncos podcast with RK and Zach. And they ended up throwing this little golf tournament thing, putting it together called the BSN Open. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm terrible at golf, but this is a chance to go meet some people that work in the industry I want to work in. Like, let's, let's see if I can... Uh, see if I can make something happen. So I went terrible at golf. Again, I played horribly, but I ended up getting paired with RK. And RK and I sort of hit it off uh, pretty early, ended up uh, just like, you know, things went really easy conversation-wise. And then there was a fantasy draft later that night and a watch party at Blake Street Tavern because we were all in a fantasy league together through the podcast. And uh, Andre Simone, our, our, our GM now, uh, was there as well. And he was sort of running the internship program at the time for BSN Denver. 
And we ended up like really hitting it off. Uh, and I was doing some video stuff, some writing stuff. I had written, um, I'd covered both football and basketball in college. And so it was, uh, we just like ended up making it work. And by the end of the night, he had offered me an internship. I mean, he had offered me an interview for an internship. My interview ended up being just like, a, hey, let's throw some ideas around and get you started type thing. Uh, and the rest is kind of history. I've been, uh, it became pretty evident pretty early at my time at BSN that my digital media skills were what was going to be of most use to the company. So I started producing, making some video content with Ali Monroy and the rest is history. Here I am. Uh, I started producing shortly after that. I started producing, uh, the post game shows for the nuggets before it was even called the DNBA show. And, uh, we're just about four years and a month past that so i've been with the fellas the whole time by the way bsn like that's the best name ever brandon spano network oh, beautiful yeah, it was beautiful yeah. <laughs> that was uh that was a people would ask us what bsn stood for and we would uh you know not answer that's how that went <laughs> <laughs> so years have been passing by and the nvr grew and grew and it it was doing bigger and bigger things and Describe me how it looked like when, when Adam told you that you're, that you're traveling to Serbia. Was it like, hey, guys, I need you to do something. You're traveling with me to Serbia. Or was <laughs> it like, are you interested maybe in going to Serbia? So, so we talked a lot about it for a long time, and, and we actually didn't think the trip was going to happen. Um, so it was like we'd all sort of prepared for the trip not happening, even though we had been talking about it for months. And then Adam called me. It was like a random day off. I was in the middle of the mountains. And he goes, do you have your passport? Is your passport updated? And I was like, yeah, we're good. Like, it expires in like two years. I think we're fine. Uh, and he goes, are you free these dates? And I said, yes, I think. And he goes, okay, we're going to Serbia. And then we had a meeting that next week. And um, we had a meeting that next week. And Adam just sort of laid out his vision for the trip. So it was a lot of like, hey, Kale, you're going to be photojournaling the whole thing. We're going to be doing live shows there. We're going to shoot a documentary that you, you know, might have to shoot some B-roll for and just sort of laid out what everybody's job was going to be at uh, while we were in Serbia. And it was just it, it happened really quick. This was like a month before we got on a plane. So it was all really last minute. But then we got on a plane and went and had the time of our lives. So. What is your biggest impression from the from the Serbia trip? We, we've heard too many things from the from the other fellas. Just just give me like a three sentence uh, um, recap of of Serbia trip. Um, I, well, I, God, that's so hard. My the biggest takeaway uh, that everybody says, and it's just unfortunately the truth, is the hospitality we experienced was unlike anything from yourself and everybody uh, that was there. It was really like the most hospitable place I've ever been. Everybody, you know, was you, you wouldn't let you pay for anything and the food was on the house and you know, anytime you entered someone's home it was drinks and rakia and food and let me see what I can do for you and and just every place we went was like that for the entire eight days. It was really, really um, kind of remarkable. I've never experienced hospitality like that, even in some very hospitable cultures. Like I went to college in Iowa, which is the Midwest, known as a very, very, very hospitable place. And that was my biggest takeaway. And then it's just, we honestly, I made lifelong friends. 
uh, getting to spend the week hanging out with you and that type of thing and learning about basketball culture outside of the United States uh, was really kind of special, getting to go to the Federation of Basketball in Serbia and just really experiencing the culture of basketball from a foreign perspective outside of this AAU basketball culture that sort of we grow up with here uh, was really special and unique. And then obviously we paired, turned that into making a documentary. And so we got really into the weeds of it, but experiencing that culture was really special. I, I really appreciate you. You, you're talking about the hospitality in Serbia because I know you're a guy that traveled a lot. You've been to many places, especially in Europe. So that 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 uh, really means means a lot to me. Tell me just one more thing before we bring the other guys in. So we've seen your first vlog on yeah. the on the DNVR YouTube channel. How how did this happen? And is this something you you plan on doing in the future? Yeah, hopefully I get to make more of them. Uh, I kind of did it without permission, to be honest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, started vlogging this summer um, when I went on a I went on a five thousand mile road trip across the United States and made a made a twenty minute mini feature um, about that. And so I've just been getting more and more into video production, and I've been looking for more and more opportunities here at DNVR, and. Um, I sort of had some free time that first morning that we were there. So I took a couple hours, edited a day one blog together, blog together and uh, sent it to the guys. And I was like, Hey, is this anything we'd have any interest from this trip? Uh, no worries. If not, I'm just trying to work on this type of thing. And uh, Adam gave me a lot of notes and we decided to do one for the whole trip instead of one for every day. But uh, then the rest of the trip, I just kept filming and, you know, I, I tried to make it a little bit different than what RG does, a little bit different than what um, anything you get has been seen here. Kind of a mix of what we were doing, plus the pressers, plus practice, so that you really felt like you were just right alongside us for that entire week. And um, I was really happy with the way it turned out, and the reception has been amazing. So I appreciate everybody that's watched. By the way, before everybody asks, you are not living in the DNVR headquarters. It's just that your internet in, in your house is dead yes. for a second. So this is why you're you're calling up from the studio. Okay, time for our second guest. He is the returning offender, my fellow knower of useless information. He is having the time of his life on Twitter this summer and more specifically watching Lakers fans melt down in the past couple of weeks. It's Steven Reinert. What's new, Steve? Oh, not much new, you know, just uh, getting ready for the new season, watching all the preseason I can, went to the uh, the open practice this morning, and yeah. So so how was practice? Does it, does it differ a lot comparing to the live games? Is it the similar kind of intensity on the court? I mean, no, no, it's a lot more lighthearted, for sure. Um. I mean, I, obviously, it's an open practice, so that may have been more the goal, really. You know, make it fun for fans type thing. But no, it's cool. It's, you got to see a lot of the younger guys show their skill sets in a in a way you don't get to see in the preseason games because they get a lot more run in this. So, so you you've seen two buddy cup teams of coaches, Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon on one side, and then Jamal Murray and KCP on the other side. So, which which uh, coaching crew uh, did uh, uh, impress you more? I mean, obviously, it's going to be Jokic. Like, <laughs> he's just duh. <laughs> like, 
he just knows basketball way too well to not be a good coach, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm going to ask you one thing to do on this show. Uh, please explain to all the Lakers fans who are watching this right now uh, that that why why actually the Nuggets coach Vic Lombardi make fun of their team. Oh, man. Why did he do it? <laughs> Yeah, why, why, why did the Nuggets coach Vic Lombardi do that? <laughs> the Nuggets right. coach Vic Lombardi? <laughs> um, man, yeah, that was, a, that was like 47 years of pain he uh, was uh, releasing in that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, it's time for our last guest for today. He is a de facto co-host of this show. He is one of the best narrators of this era of Nuggets basketball once a host of a cult podcast called The Dig, my dear friend for years, it's Nick Herzog. Nick, so, buddy. so you seem prepared to deliver some flamethrower well, takes about... Yeah, hold on a second. I'm, I'm currently booking a one-way ticket to Serbia after Kale's uh, <laughs> sales pitch <laughs> on his trip. Uh, so I'll be with you guys in just a minute. Uh, very good, very good. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'm, you, have a, I'm, you have an extra bedroom for me, I'm hoping. Yeah, it's it's okay, the good. one behind me. So so that's, <laughs> I, that's there's a couch right there that looks pretty inviting. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll make it. We'll make it good. <laughs> we'll make it good. We've talked about this for for some years now. Okay, so before we get into the the games from last week, I just wanted to to talk a bit about the ESPN's top 100 list of players, and in particular, only only about the number two guy on the list, Nikola Jokic. So is this the proof of why Perk wasn't among many faces that got fired from ESPN this summer? Like, is only the hot takey kind of clickbaiting farm, is this the only, uh, the only reason ESPN exists today, Kale? Uh, yeah. I mean, the God, ESPN is a far, far cry from the ESPN of my childhood, to say the least. Um, but I, I genuinely think they're the people in there just because I'm in this business and, you know, we're, we, we're trying to come up with headlines that people click on and that type of thing, too. I genuinely think there's some earnestness behind content like this. Um, like, I'm sure they pulled the people and Giannis came out on top and they, you know, definitely embellished that uh and made a graphic and everything to try and get as much engagement as possible but i i think there is an earnestness that the people that are doing it at least feel that way probably the problem is the people they employ clearly don't know what they're talking about which is the uh problem with espn is in general it's turned into not it's not it's full of personalities it's not full of basketball experts and there's a world in which both exist that's what we try and do at dnvr obviously but it is very hard to imagine that ESPN is really just sending this thing out there knowing they're wrong. I think the people behind it are, are doing honest work. I just think it's the wrong people. Um, by quoting and saying a, a panel of basketball ex experts, I think there's, you know, a lot of a lot of stretching going on with the using of that term. We're just you're just making jokes about BSN. I, I'm still not entirely sure to this day what ESPN stands for. <laughs> <Because> it, <laughs> exactly. Is it Entertainment Sports Network and the SP? 
Yeah, I, I, really, so. I still don't. I, I have no idea, but it made me think of the E. I think the E is entertainment in ESPN. I could be. I'm probably totally wrong about this. Um, but I think they really leaned into the entertainment part more than the sports part is what it seems like to me. And the sad probably reality is that at least for a national audience, most people are not interested in the sports as much as they're interested in the drama, the, 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 the sniping, the social media posts, the hot takes, this kind of stuff, at least in American uh, pop, pop culture, that seems to be the case. Yeah. Patras Munson has, has a good uh, explanation of ESPN. It's like Eastern East Coast pseudo sport network, something like that. <laughs> like he, he's been hard on them. Uh, so, Nick, tell me, Yanis mm-hmm. must have had some really impressive summer this summer because he overtook that number one spot everybody was giving to to Jokic uh, at the end of J- June last year. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, all of the pundits just hit reset on their. On, on last season or somebody just wiped it from their memory or something. And we're like, can we go back to the, the NBA world that we preferred? Um, it's, it's completely ridiculous. I don't think the real basketball people agree with this at all. I mean, the, the people that really know the game and get into the game, I, I don't see a lot of, of people who still would take Giannis over, over Jokic. I mean, I, I think it's a tough argument to make. They're, they're both great players. So I'm not, I'm not so like, upset by this um but i think yeah coming off a championship and the way that the nuggets won one and uh and and the run that Jokic had against a, you know what happened with the bucks going out in round one i think it's a pretty bold call to to put Giannis ahead of Jokic. <laughs> so steve tell me was this was this list making you mad or or happy when you Me, saw the list i didn't even pay attention to it I need, I really didn't even pay attention to it. I was like, at this point, I'm we're vindicated, you know. Our boy's <laughs> done it. Like, <laughs> so I, I mean, I saw it and I was like, oh, Yoke is number two. I'm like, whatever. Like, it's you know, we'll we'll see. Come, we'll see when the season starts. See how we'll see how accurate that is. Yeah, like, are we still living rent-free in your heads, guys? Come on. We should, we should call, all have fun during the summer. Come on, guys. There's no reason for, for, uh, for violence. My favorite part <laughs> about that list is the blurb that they have to publish below it about, like, why he ranks where he ranks. And uh, Ohm is the guy who ended up writing the blurb for ESPN. He's a great dude. He was at Nuggets training camp with us, and I got to meet him, and he was just like – but he was basically apologizing for the ranking the entire (laughs) time. He was just like, well, but, well, but. Yeah. (laughs) So it was was pretty funny. It's really – I think it really – they just want – they want Giannis to be the bigger star. They want him to be the face of the NBA. I think that's – to me, that's – there's like that – if you're talking about two great players – it's like these other kind of intangible things that I think people gravitate toward. Um, and, and being in the entertainment business, they're going to gravitate toward the person they find more entertaining, which is, I think is ridiculous. I think Jokic is maybe the most entertaining player of my lifetime, but I'm not everyone. Yeah. We, we just need to force them to watch Jokic for, for a couple more finals runs, you know? So, so then maybe, maybe it's, uh, some of those guys will, finally admit how fun that is okay it is time for our first break uh don't go anywhere these messages are super important okay we're back 
Game one versus Phoenix takeaways. So let's overreact to preseason games stronger than we overreacted to the summer league, because let's face it, summer league is just what is summer league, guys? <laughs> An excuse to go to Vegas for the week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, a really good excuse to to leave for Vegas. Oh, speaking and, of which, I'm going to Vegas for the first time in my life in like a couple of weeks. So any tips in the chat would be like super helpful. Places dude, to go. Dude, like restaurants. genuinely, if if uh, if you're not staying at Circa, you have to at least go check it out. It's like one yeah, of the cool. I know they're a sponsor of us, but like they, it's one of the coolest places I've ever been. Sweet, sweet. I think we're gonna. I think we're getting tickets to the Eye, too, to do a show in the in the huge eyeball. Or it's not an eyeball; oh, it's severe. But yeah. Oh, that's awesome! I, the yeah, sphere from the outside cool. is actually crazy. Like it's, it's so nuts. much bigger and more impressive. I, well, yeah, I mean, I've seen it in person, just from the videos and stuff. It's insane. So anyway. we'll, we'll right. go in, in circles with our takeaways from the game. Uh, just one note for for the beginning: we left City Fazio alone on. Strotter Island during the summer just because he missed most of his shots in Vegas. As I said, it's just Vegas. So naturally, now we need to overcorrect and call Calvin Booth an effing genius for <laughs> drafting Jay Straw with his first available pick. So, Nick, I'm going to let you cook because I, I've seen you You have some feelings about... about oh, Jay yeah, Straw. I want him in the starting lineup now. Like, just put him in. Take MPJ, put MPJ on the bench. <laughs> Preserve <laughs> the back. Until play. No, I, it's, I'm not that. Five, I'm not coming five, in that hot. The five <laughs> um, hey, yeah, we, ha we haven't been benching MPJ for some time on this show, so why not? Uh, KCP, he probably wouldn't mind. I don't know. Um, no, I mean, but yeah, I'm excited. Like, I what I I think what I really like about this is that he could be a legitimate security blanket in the case of an mpj back issue which is inevitable uh we don't know you know maybe it won't be this season hopefully not fingers crossed it will be one season though or multiple seasons that we're gonna lose him for a chunk of time very likely so um i like that he's there behind him and and even to kind of you know possibly push him i mean i don't think i don't think mpj is the type that's gonna like let off the gas or 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 I don't know. I, I think he wants to be a, a great player, but he's accepted his his role in the system. Uh, he, he talked about that the other day, which I, I thought was great to hear. But um, I mean, the more the more long guys you have that can shoot and and, and rebound and play a little defense and slash. I mean, it's I, I just feel like this this rookie class right now is really stacked, and they have a lot of depth moving forward if these guys continue to develop. So, Steve, what are your impressions on on Jay Straw? I love him. He's great. He's great. I mean, obviously, being after watching the open practice today, the two he shines there as well. Like, yeah, he can he can do a little bit of everything. He can get to the rim. He can obviously shoot it, and that release is lightning quick. It's incredible how fast he gets it off. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for him. We'll uh we'll see how long it takes for him to crack the crack the uh, rotation. What's his actual height? Is it like in, in six, like six, really? seven. six seven? Six seven. Okay. Yeah. I, to be honest, he looks a bit small to me for a six seven guy. I don't know. It it might be the way he runs because to me it feels like he has blisters on his feet, so he's like jumping, not not to hurt his blisters too much. That is 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 just my first stupid impression of him. But he does does look a bit small, but it didn't affect his game 
at all in, in in these two games i think it depends on where he plays if he plays the two he's really long you know mm -hmm. so he's a really long two the hard part is there's not going to be a lot of minutes at the two with kcp and christian brown so he's probably gonna have to play backup three if he does end up in that starting lineup where he's a little bit undersized he's got a plus wingspan though that helps uh on closeouts especially uh and he moves his feet really quick i don't know if he'll ever be an elite defender but a plus defender in a lineup that has some length something that can be you know at least thought about we haven't seen it yet because christian brown is is, is injured right now or, or healing an injury so Nick, do you feel like Christian would be the three next to Strutter, you know, based on their their uh, uh, physiques, maybe in some kind of mashed up units? Yeah, maybe. I don't like for the for bench. I like for the bench. I'm not really. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I'm never somebody who thinks they need like a full, complete, like second team. I don't really see the bench that way. Um. So I, I, for me, it's kind of more of like a matchup thing. It's kind of like a night by night thing. Like, like, uh, and so it, yeah, as like a, just a useful piece that can be thrown in and do a bunch of different things. Like you know, I was just saying, you know, being an undersized, um, small forward or an oversized guard, that's fine. You know, on the bench, this, is, this isn't going to be like an issue in like, as like a matchup issue in the playoffs or something like that. His role is going to be different than that. Um, but yeah, as like a, just kind of, uh, a spark plug that you can bring in who's capable of filling it up and putting up, you know, a 12 point run or something like that in a three minutes stretch from the bench. I think that's invaluable. Yeah. My, my biggest concern about the bench just a week ago was, will there be enough scoring of the bench or mm -hmm. shooting? Who, who can you rely on to, to put enough points? You know, we kind of felt that their defense should be pretty good probably better than the one we've we saw last year from the bench unit but if we can can get that real spark spark plug in instructor's body that that would be huge steve what what was the big uh, impression of yours from the from the game one against phoenix um oh man i don't know um <laughs> Well, Gillespie, see, Gillespie played bad in that one. And I, I want to touch on him because he because he played great in the second one. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's, I mean, obviously, I think Julian was really just the main storyline of game one. I think game two, you had a few other guys that shined a little bit more. Yeah. I, we, 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 we had a tough game. We, we talked about that, too. But I, you know, he's he's another guy that's just total wild card. Could be huge for them if he develops, but he's pretty raw. It's going to take a while. Yeah, he's yeah, gonna be he, a high foul guy for a minute. <laughs> he does look pretty raw. I, I mean, he might be a high foul guy just in his career. That's, just that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he he feels like a guy with a draft profile next to him that says great wingspan, standing reach, very very explosive, can jump out of the gym, but then he doesn't have a great handle, a vision, technique, or a jump shot. No, to be fair. His jumper does look a lot better than what I expected, and his willingness to attack the rim is similar to Christian Brown's from last year, with pretty similar results. They're both missing a lot of uh, uh, close close shots, although although Pivot is getting fouled a lot, which is which is a positive. So I think we were hyping him maybe too much during the summer, you know, expecting him to be the main guy next to Christian Brown. 
he's just the youngest of them all. Like his his uh, ascension would be a great asset for for Nuggets in the future. But this might not be, you know, his breakout breakout season. What do you think, Kel? Um, I think Piwat's gonna be a guy that is very up and down this year and he's going to get pulled early because of it. Um, I think that's just Malone's type, the type of coach he is. He has a short leash type of thing. Uh, but I think P uh, how do I put this? He's less of a drew holiday type defender where he just erases a guy or, you know, completely takes a position out of the game. And I think he's more of a big play defender. So I think he's going to have some huge blocks. He's going to have some big steals. He's going to use his size. And those plays can be game-changing. But I don't think he's the type of guy that locks down a guy on on defense. I think he's going to get blown by a lot. Um, I think that just has to do because he's not reading the game at a high level yet. And part of this is he's 21. He's the youngest guy on the team. He is still learning how to play the game of basketball at a professional level. He was only in college for one year. He barely played that year. So there's just not a lot of development that's happened. And I think the only way to have that happen is minutes. And I think he's going to get that opportunity this year just because of how long he is. I think they're going to need his defense, that spark plug, almost the opposite of Julian Strother's offensive spark plug. I think they're going to need that defensive spark plug from Peyton in a lot of situations to get that big block, to get that big steal off the bench. So I think he's going to get the opportunity and he's going to get some minutes, but I uh, would warn Nuggets Nation to uh, be ready for some growing pains. He's so young and I think he gets lost on the court a lot. I think he's got a lot of early MPJ where he's out of position on defense a lot, even though he makes some big plays. Uh, I would just be weary of thinking he's going to be a ready-made product day one, but 82 games, if he can develop into a guy that gives you, you know, maybe 80% of what Bruce Brown gave you, uh, but at a different position last year, I think you're in a solid place come playoffs because really you only need eight guys, seven guys. Um, and the bench, the formality of having five guys that fit together isn't as, isn't as important. And you need just guys out there that can make plays alongside the starters. And I think he's perfectly suited for that role. Um, I just think we're going to, you know, have to live through some growing pains before he gets there. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I really like the setup, uh, right now that they have, because they can play Justin holiday and, Reggie Jackson for a while to start the season and let these guys just sort of get up to speed, let them, uh, uh, you know, continue to, to develop, get a few minutes here and there in trash time or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm really expecting, I don't know if you were going to talk about this, but I'm actually really expecting the Nuggets to get off to a crazy hot start. I think they're going to just tear it up in the first part of the season because a lot of teams have new, new players, completely new uh, rosters in some cases, new coaches, even good teams. So, like, I think there's going to be a lot of kind of figuring out stuff the first couple, like, month or two, and the Nuggets are just a, a well-oiled machine that's just going to tear through things. So that could give some of these young guys the opportunity they need in a lot of blowout games or, or uh, you know, games against bad teams or whatever that, to really develop here early on. But they don't, they don't really need it. Yeah, I really like th- these takes about you know we don't really need ten guys. We, we've we've seen that last year, when when push comes to shove, seven eight guys. That's that's all you need. But we're gonna speak 
too much about the bench guys because they're the interesting ones. We already know that the, the Nuggets starters are the best uh, starting lineup uh, uh, in the world, not only in the league. So sorry, sorry for the. For, it's it's even better better than the German national team starting starting lineup. <laughs> you have to you have to uh, to believe me on this because I've watched a lot of what World a Cup. silly offseason Twitter. <laughs> debate good grief <laughs> so or pure uh, boredom we've had some a great comment from dan lynch saying that the best part of game one was zeke punishing ball and <laughs> i would take this uh, a step further than that because my favorite moment of the game was jalen pickett who stonewalled ball ball when he was switched on him near the basket like the defensive player of the year candidate needs to work on playing against a foot shorter guys at the rim because he could not move past <laughs> Jalen Pickett. That was, that was beautiful. Uh, just to, to, to go back to the starters for a moment, my biggest uh, impression from this game is the fact that Aaron Gordon is a beast. Dude. Like, all of his seven rebounds looked like he was a drunk uncle playing against his nephews, so he used too much physicality against everybody. Those were not like, you know, gimme rebounds. He took those rebounds, you know, from, from, the, from the hands of, of other guys. Steve, how impressed are you with, with the physique of Aaron Gordon to start the season? Oh, man, Aaron Gordon's incredible. He might be my, I don't know. He's probably my third favorite Nugget all time at this point, like behind That's Jamal fine. and Jokic. Like he's he's phenomenal. He's such a good connective piece. That's like what I like. He's perfect guy in his role, and just plays his role. Just stars in his role. Nick, do you agree with the with the notion that Aaron Gordon is actually the part of the the big three on this team, and the other guys are are filling up? You know, feeling in the in the blanks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I saw somebody asked on Twitter earlier. I saw like in a three v three, which three Nuggets are you taking? I, it's got to be, it's got to be Jokic, Murray, and, and AG. I think. Um, he he just provides something, a level of like physicality that like you were just describing that they don't really get from anybody else. Maybe KCP kind of in a different way with his defense in, on the perimeter, but. Um, yeah, there are games and there are certain matchups where AG just looks like a man among children. I mean, it's his, he is just so physically imposing, uh, both from his like body, but also his like jumping ability and just his like sort of tenacity. Um, and then I think, you know, I just, every time I think about Aaron Gordon now, I like immediately, I just think about him going through the streets with all, all of Nuggets Nation <laughs> after, after the win. And like, I just, that forever will be to me who Aaron Gordon is. Like, and, and you know, going all the way back to his, his like, sick uh pad that's just like a, a converted like like factory you know old, old like industrial building or whatever i mean he's just such a such a cool dude he's such a like a, a likable person you know he's got to be popular on the team i don't i don't have any like behind the scenes like information about this but i can't imagine somebody not loving aaron gordon and wanting to be on his team um and and that energy and that like that physicality and energy combination that he provides makes it is way more important than any scoring he does or or even any kind of like stats that he puts up, I think. Yeah, Kale, the way Aaron Gordon fits with with 
Michael Porter and Nikola Jokic in that front court, that huge front court, is something that that should not be uh, under understated because we've. I, I'm, I'm coming back to the ESPN stupid list because one of the notions is like uh, Jokic and Giannis are both great offensively, like like there there are not levels between them. But on the other side, Giannis is so much better than Jokic on defense, guys. Defense is played by five guys on the court. You cannot have defense with one guy. Like, I really, I'm so excited about Giannis playing behind Dame Lillard and um, um, our guy Malik Beasley. Like, that's that's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome <laughs> to watch. <laughs> what do you think, Ale, about, about the comparison between the um... two? Just Aaron Gordon, uh, where do I want to start? Uh, what has really stood out to me is actually just like how hard he's playing, um, which like someone needs to remind him that it's preseason because <laughs> he's been playing so hard. But his playmaking has really stood out to me. This stood out to me um, at training camp. And then again, in both of these preseason games, like he's had these little touch passes um that just like happen under the rim and he's done like three of them now between training camp and and that's new i i don't remember seeing those at all last year and so i think his playmaking is really taking a step up i think his iq is just getting better and better and better the more he plays with Jokic. and uh to your point about the defense team defense the nuggets are so long at every position they're oversized at every position outside of maybe kcp but even though he's got a crazy wingspan um so just team defense i mean people were wondering if they were able it it really showed in the heat series right just how long the nuggets are how much bigger they were than the heat they're plus sized at every position and that allows them to play team defense that really locks teams down i mean the miami heat only had 105 offensive rating during during the finals which would have been i mean yeah they went cold from three as well but that would have been bottom third of the league during the regular season. So it was really impressive what they were able to do um, team defense-wise. Um, what Going back to the ranking thing that Miroslav said, I think it's really interesting when you look at uh, the big four for uh, Milwaukee uh, with Giannis, Dame, uh, Middleton, and Brooke Lopez. They all rank above where the Nuggets' big four are. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out during and if we if we luckily hopefully get that in the finals because i really hope we get to, the whole world mm -hmm. gets to see what i got to saw in, Ser in serbia which was Jokic versus Giannis in a high stakes game it was the literally craziest thing mm -hmm. i've ever seen um but i hope the whole world gets to see that and to your defense point they're going to struggle on the perimeter they're going to be able to form a wall with Giannis and brooke lopez there but malik beasley <laughs> and dame lillard are two of the worst defenders in the league they're going to struggle on the perimeter especially with a team that has guards that can shoot above 40 percent like the nuggets have so uh, i'm throwing a lot of points out there but uh i love ag i think his defense is the anchor of the unit i agree with nick that he's the third i mean you can go back and watch the play that won the Nuggets a championship, a video we dropped on our last week. And it pretty much the Nuggets entire offense runs around this um, action that involves Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. And it's almost everything stems from there. And Mike is really just used as a spacer. Now, is he as elite of a spacer as you can get and a plus on defense now, all those things? But the heart and soul of that offense runs through those three guys.
Yeah, to me, the, the that, th that three is a elite core. MPJ makes them into like the two thousand to the twenty eighteen Warriors or something. If he's if he's hitting, it, that's that's like the role there or whatever. I don't. You don't really even need him to win a championship. I don't think, but he makes them like un untouchable if he's if he's healthy and if he's cooking. <laughs> it's so funny about MPJ. We've seen how how good he was in the playoffs. I can't wait when he gets even better this season and contribute even stronger to another championship because probably the national punters be, be like is MPJ as good as Kyle Kuzma? Like <laughs> like he's really becoming a 3 and D guy. Like he's really hoping to become Kyle Kuzma one day. That, that's going to be so so awesome. Uh, Steve you mentioned uh, calling Gillespie he really did have a pretty bad game number 1. But my main takeaway about him is he needs a different haircut. There's no reason to try and copy Harrison Wind that way. Find another way to be handsome. I mean, come on, man. It's too easy. Too easy. But uh, uh, on a serious note, I want KCP to become a modern era Robert Ory. Like, I hope he wins seven championships. Just let it be six with the good guys. He just hits those daggers every time the other team thinks they're back in the game. It's so wonderful. What it, I feel like he didn't miss a single single shot in these in these two games. Am I am I wrong, Nick? No. Uh, yeah. He he looks he looks ready. He's he's ready for the season for sure. Um, and I'm just glad he's on our team. He's one of those guys that you hate when you play against them. They're always hitting these big shots. It's you're, you're you're running around chasing these elite superstars around. And then there's always this, like, on the great teams, there's always this, like, thorn player in the corner, the Bruce Bowens of the world. These guys that just – and they never miss those open corner threes at, like, with three minutes left in the game or something like that. Um, and I'm just thrilled that we have one of them because there, there's not many of them in the league. Yeah, KCP has been just, just awesome. Okay, it is time for our uh, second break, and then we'll move to the, to the second game against the Bulls. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we're back. But before we go to the Bulls game, I just wanted to, to ask you guys about one thing I've noticed. And that is that the starters are kind of trying to use Jokic on the block more than before. Like, everybody's feeding him. It's not only Jamal, it's it's KCP, it's Aaron Gordon, it's 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 crazy. Am I crazy to think that that Nicola might average 30 points this season, Steve? I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, Yogi is always gonna take what the game gives to him. Um I guess it all comes down to uh what the defense decides from a night to night basis. They want him to kill them with seventy percent effective field goal percentage or do they want him to kill them with 12 assists like i mean it, that's the hard part about gauging what his stats are going to be because he's just going to take what the game gives to him every time yeah for, for this season i have one big wish because nicola and and jamal last season averaged 16 assists per game uh you know total between the two of those 16 assists per game I just want them to up that to 18, 19 this season, and I don't care who gets who gets how much. It's it's like if we have Jamal with with ten and and Nicolette with eight, I would be 
I would be so thrilled about that. Can, can you see that, Kale, from, from this season, like Jamal completely taking the, the point guard duties to yeah. another level? That's one of my big takeaways from these first two preseason games is Jamal has uh, been dishing it uh, to everybody, not just Jokic, which has been great. He, uh, I think he had five assists in both of the first couple preseason games, which is more than he averaged uh, for an entire basically regular season last year. He averaged 6.2 assists last year. Uh, I think that number can go up by two or three assists a game this year. He's really looking to share, and I think we saw progressively through the playoffs last year that skill set develop, and then obviously in the finals he averaged 10 assists, which was crazy. Uh, I really think that that skill set has sort of been unlocked in his brain, for lack of a better term. Uh, He should be able to just really set the table and sort of pick apart. I think his basketball IQ has also leveled up over the last couple of years where he's able to just set the table. And then that pick and roll with Jokic is going to give him four or five assists a game alone. So if he's looking in a couple more spots to make that extra pass, I think not only him, but Jokic, that combined assist number really could be 18, 19, which would be devastating for other teams. So Nick, yeah, have we we already seen Nicolas' highest scoring season two seasons ago, or do you expect him to? Yeah, break? I I I think he's probably gonna take a step back in scoring a little bit this year. I think he's gonna really be looking to get um, other people as involved as possible. Um, and there's I, like, well, I think I guess maybe the biggest thing is I think Jamal is probably gonna score more this year. I think Jamal's really gonna make a push to to make an All Star game this year um and i think he's ready i think i think he will this year uh and i think he just needs a little bit more scoring and and like the assists uh i totally agree with with that idea too that so far he does look like he's he's really focused on um distributing but in a way to set up teammates for for scoring not not just uh you know not just moving the ball but moving the ball in a very deliberate fashion to to lead directly to a basket um and that should that should up his assistant numbers hopefully and like uh kale said we saw that in the in the playoffs last year too the the ability that he has there to do that um on a night-to-night basis uh so i think yeah if he's scoring a little bit more um if mpj's you know continuing to progress you know his shot total might go up some we've got some of these young guys we want to try to work into the rotation and get them scoring um like strother in particular or even even working on um, christian brown's offense a bit perhaps i I don't i don't know where his what what he's like working on developing i mean if he could develop a you know consistent three-point shot or something like that uh um along with his like his elite like slashing game i think um yeah i I just think i but also what steven said like Jokic just he, he does what the game needs so to answer your direct your question more directly, like we could see a season where Jokic scores like 33 a game, but it's going to be because of injuries or something probably where he just has to do that on a night to night basis. I don't think that's what he wants. Um, let's go to the, to the Chicago game now. So I felt like the starters played with a lot of skill, of course, but I felt the whole time they were all high on marijuana. Like they were very loose and smooth and looked like they were there to have a good time. So Jamal was missing from the outside, but it felt like he didn't miss a single mid-ranger. And they they all of them were so loose. They were like, like what what these guys? We're supposed to play more serious against these guys. 
Like, I, I, I get it that the bench, some of the versions of the bench we've seen in this game uh, lost the game. Some other versions of them almost won it. Like that four, fourth quarter push was, was really good by, by the guys that were down by nine points or whatever. But what we've seen from the starters, this is, this is actually my biggest takeaway from the game. We've seen like three different games. First half, something that's similar to, to the rotation we expect to see uh, on the opening night. And then the third quarter was a bench lineup with DJ playing the center. And then the fourth quarter was actually like a summer league lineup, like, like five guys that actually played in summer league, you know, plus Jay Huff, I guess, who wasn't in the summer league, if I remember correctly. So uh, I literally had no idea who Funk was, by the way. They, they, they kept saying Funk's name, and I was like, what, 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 is that like what pick? Like, is that's that like Pickett's nickname or something? Or what is like? <laughs> yeah, Funk is, is, is Jalen Pickett's old buddy from okay. college. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him with him. So, so yeah, Funk, uh, I mean, he looks super fun. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to have a serious career, probably not in the NBA, but he's going to have a serious career because he plays hard. He runs like 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 a maniac. So so, I really hope uh, good things dope name. are gonna have happen to him. One thing I and I, I know I'm taking too much time of, uh, at this moment, but I was listening to the losers long, you know, before I watched the game itself, and I was expecting a horrific game by Jay Huff, and all the thrashing was because he was posterized, <laughs> and also scored several times on you know in the overtime. To be fair. But guys, he was posterized because he was trying to challenge the dunker. That's not a bad thing. And before that, he made a layup, blocked the shot, had some rebounds, hit the three. He was very active. I'm not saying he's a great player. In fact, he might be the slowest NBA player since Will <laughs> Purdue. But he was on the court when the third stringers raised the, those whatever points they were behind. So some... some, some uh, Justice to Jay Huff. Come on, guys. He's not <laughs> that. I mean, he's going to be a really good player on the gold this season, for sure. So, any any other impressions from the second game? Like, calling the West? What do you guys think about? Naji? Yeah, Najee was what I was going to bring up. I don't, I just like, I'm having a hard time even have, like, having a strong opinion about him one way or the other, or like, I don't know. He's just one of those players, like, I can't get a read on. I can't tell. Like, is he progressing? Is he, is he, good is he terrible i don't think trey lyles was kind of always like that for me uh, i got to a point where i just thought he was terrible but um for like that first year or something it was like is he good is he not is he i don't know what this is i don't know i'm just confused I, i'm gonna i'm just gonna say it zeke Naji should be less soft in his fourth nba season i mean i know he has missed a lot of games due to injuries and then trying to get back into the organization but him not playing harder might be the main reason Moach takes so much time to give him another chance every season. Kale, how how did Zeke look to you? I, in game two, uh, Zeke struggled uh, quite a bit. Um, I haven't loved what I've seen from Zeke this summer. I have to be honest. I thought he had a really strong game in game one, um, but I'm hearing weird things about his shot again. Um, so, you know, we talked to uh, one of the Nuggets shooting coaches uh, and they always say that, um, 
you should cut what you shoot in an open, you know, three point shooting drill, uh, cut that in half. And that's what you'll shoot in a game. And he's around 75 out of a hundred right now. So that doesn't quite make 40%, which is what you would be hoping for from someone who's a floor spacer. I like how switchable he is on defense, but I think he gets lost and posterized too much against guys that are a little bit bigger than him. Um, I, I'm kind of worried about that backup big spot just in general. I think Zeke's a little soft for someone who's going to be playing the five. And I I don't have anything great to say about everything I've seen other than he had a good game that first game in game one. I thought it was borderline disastrous in game two. Um, they're going to be able to play matchups. And when teams are playing small, they'll probably throw Zeke in there. And when teams are playing big, they'll probably throw DJ in there. But does that allow Zeke to develop and get any rhythm? DJ, I'm not worried about so much because he's played so much throughout his career. Um, but with a guy that's still in the development phase, I, I, I just kind of wor worry about taking him in and out of rhythm, especially when he's kind of still working on his shot. I don't know. I I find uh, I find it hard to believe that Zeke's in the playoff rotation come playoffs. And honestly, I don't, I don't really see him on this team past trade deadline. Yeah, that, that, that's a very fair assessment. My last... Impression from this game is Hunter Tyson, who played 30 minutes again, like the the biggest minutes of all of the players. And that's notable. I think it should be taken into consideration when we try and predict the five guys of the bench on the ring night uh, versus the Lakers. Also, that inbound pass to Braxton Key for the overtime. That that was that was sick. Larry Bird-esque, many are saying. Steve, did you welcome that shot or were you like, oh man, this this game should should be over by now? Well, no, I was happy for it. I'm free basketball, man. I don't care. <laughs> we just I just had two and a half months of no basketball. I want basketball. Jokic was so happy happy off the bench. He jumped and he was so happy. So mm -hmm. you know, I, mean, I thought he didn't care. He doesn't care about any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be fair. If if the game was over, he would just go back to his hotel room and play Pokemon for the rest <laughs> of the night. So this this is this is the way he could have hang with the buddies for yeah, yeah. for fifteen minutes more or something like that. So so yeah, I, that was that was a really really that might be the best shot of the entire preseason, and that's something because Hunter Tyson was already what the MVP of the summer league, right? First team all summer league. For, yeah, sorry, first team summer league, and and now he has the best, you know, possession of the preseason. That's notable. That's notable. I'm, I I hope good things are, are coming Hunter's way. Okay. Yeah, I didn't time... get to watch the yeah, second sorry. half real closely, but it yeah, what I saw it it seemed like he was he was balling. I mean, I don't. I seemed like he had a number of of like NBA plays that he made. So. Yeah, I mean, Colin Gillespie made like eleven threes in this game. He was, he was really, he was really good. Yeah, I, I don't think he's really an NBA player, but who knows? Who knows? Things things might change, and maybe maybe a guy who is, uh, you know, six foot, six feet tall and not very quick. Maybe there is a way for for a guy like that too. Gillespie stay. He yeah. can play make. He's so good. Like he really is good. Like if you watch him on the floor, he's super patient. Like his his grasp of the point guard position is is very strong. So I could I could see him finding a way. I mean, he'll always struggle around the rim, but this is not I mean, if you can if you can run the if you can run a pick and roll, 
to the death yeah. in the NBA. I mean, you could be he could be like a Monte Morris light type player. Um, I, this is not me taking a shot at him, but I think he's going to be a really good EuroLeague. Yeah, point. <laughs> he's going to be really, good. and that's that's not a knock. There are some really really good players in the mm -hmm. EuroLeague, and and I'm excited to to watch it this season. Okay, time for our last break, and then we'll just do a quick game before we get out of here. Okay, so the game we're going to play, just for a couple of minutes, because I, I just cannot keep myself off games this, this season, I guess. The name of the game is Who's Wearing the Clothes? So I now know, know this sounds bizarre, so let me explain. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld famously said 30 years ago that sports fans don't cheer for human beings, they cheer for the clothes they're wearing. So what this game looks like is I will give you a jersey number and you tell me which current Nugget is wearing it. So no oh, googling, please. Yeah. <laughs> I would be, I would be... <laughs> I would suck so bad at this. I've game never paid attention to the numbers. Ever. I I know the numbers uh, on the jerseys of the starters, and but uh, other than that, I would suck so bad. So <laughs> let, let's let's start with Kale. So who is wearing number three this season? Three? It's Justin Holiday, right? That is not correct. Do, do nah. we have another idea? <sighs> Let me. I, the Braxton Key. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Yeah. No. Nick, do we have an idea? Three. Uh no. Um, I mean I could just guess somebody. Um uh, Reggie Jackson. It's 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 the next Michael Jordan, Julian Strother. Julian Strother wow. is number three. So Nick, yeah. question for you. Who is wearing number four? Uh uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not um, keeping score, by the way. This is just for fun. <laughs> KCP. No? Kale? An idea? Number four. Number four? Uh, is that Hunter Tyson? That's correct. Yeah. Hunter Tyson is number four. Steve, number six. Number six? Oh, man. That's... I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> This is by the way, this, um, think this, about the, this is the easiest question of them all, by the way. The other one are, are really... Is it? Six is? <laughs> oh, no. It is. Oh, man. <laughs> I have no idea. Is six AG? No. AG wears 50. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't really, I'm trying to even think what Jokic's number is, and I have... I have <laughs> 15 and you, have, and you have the jersey on you. Yeah, I, I'm not wearing it currently, but yeah. So number six is DJ. DJ is number six. Okay, number oh, seven. Yeah. Number seven. We've seen this. Come on, guys. Oh, is it? Is it Reggie? It is Reggie. It okay. is Reggie. I'm not counting, but that's second point for you. Um, <laughs> number nine. That's Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday is number nine. Number. I knew 11. that one. Eleven. Number 11. That's Monte's old number. Is it Colin? It's Braxton Key. Uh, number 21. Uh, 
by the way, half of these numbers were not even on ESPN at the moment. Yeah. I, I had to watch the game and like take notes. <laughs> so much of these guys are new. I'm we couldn't even Google, Google these answers. We haven't said yet. I don't know. I, I, can I say Colin again? Yes, it is yeah, Colin. Okay. <laughs> Number 22. That's Zeke. It's Zeke. That's right. And number 24 for the end. That's Jalen Pickett. Jalen Pickett is number 24. So so great finish by Steve at, at the end. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's so funny. One of the questions from the steps back in the day during the quarantine were like, who is wearing number this and that on the Nuggets? And I was like, oh, a few guys. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, that's that's too hard. Is this, no, still a thing? is this because I've gotten old that I don't care anymore? Because, like, I feel like when I was a teenager watching basketball, I knew, like, all the stars' numbers and stuff. Is that a oh, thing? Totally. I knew every number. Yeah. I knew all the jerseys when I was a kid. But, like, and now, when Jordan had the 45 jersey for a while instead of 23 because, like, they had retired his jersey. So he had to wear – and then that became, like, a thing. Like, so some people started wearing 45 for a while. I, I can give you, like, each number from every player of the top eight teams from 1989 it's because yeah. i i used to play a video game back in the day and i was playing it so so fiercely that that i just remember all of the numbers because there's not much other things to remember about the players because they're over like pixels back in 89 so you know it's not like like there were many many differences between them okay guys do, does anybody want to plug something before we we go out of here uh, follow me on Twitter at Kale Sorbo. That's a good plug. You're a great follow, also. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same. I, I don't really have anything going to plug specifically right now, but um, I will. If I ever do in the future, I will let you know. I might have a, th- a few things cooking. Excellent. Excellent. Steve, you don't need to plug anything. Everybody knows you on the Nuggets <laughs> Twitter. So, so uh, I wish everybody have a great weekend. It's it's almost over for me now because I have to heal my wounds during summer during during Sunday before the, the Monday hits again. Life is not that great. Okay, thank you very much for, for hanging out with us for the last 62 minutes or so and go nuggets.